please to the book of Ephesians. Come on. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you've uh, had the thought in recent weeks or months, I wonder why Pastor Chris hasn't talked about the whole race deal. Well, I'll tell you. I don't plan on it. Unless the Lord tells me to. Because to me, as a Christian, race is not an issue. And I don't feel like, now I'm happy to someone asked me a question, I think it was Reverend Marilyn, I was happy to answer uh, in the mentoring session. Um, but, to, you know, just to take a minute, and I don't know why I felt like doing that, I just did, but, um, you know, I just don't think it's the preacher's job to be reflexive and feel like I have to answer every crazy thing that's going on in the world. I hate what's going on in the world to a great degree. Uh, amen, but I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. How many of you, you're a child of God? And I think my, what my response has been, what you know, as a pastor is, I'm just going to keep living my life. And uh, I'm just going to keep letting Rex and Maurice and Micah be best friends. And, and let them tell everybody just by them doing what they do and loving each other and enjoying each other and having a good time be my response to the world's craziness out there. I'm just going to keep hugging all y'all. Amen. Praise God. You know, uh, we talked about this a little bit in our, at this men's thing that we went to. And, and uh, I, again, that's just what I, you know, a bunch of I didn't go because I didn't want to pay to be frustrated. They all went golfing one day. They said, we want you to go with them. No, I'm not going. I'm staying here because I'm not going to pay money to be frustrated. And, uh, and uh, but they came back with some wonderful testimonies because there's, you know, Hispanics and blacks and whites and they're all out there just loving Jesus, having a great time, fellowship, and man, people took notice. And then when we came in and had a question and answer session, men's deal about the race deal, I said, y'all just keep doing what you're doing. Right? Just let your light shine. Amen. Glory to God. Anyway, there's my race deal for you. I just don't see color. You want me to come and, you know, I, I know that our backgrounds and cultures and histories, they give us different experiences. And, and uh, people with black skin, I, I don't know what it's like to be a person in America with black skin. I wouldn't pretend to know, you know. Uh, but uh, I know I'm white, and I've been a few, through a few things in my life. It may not be the same struggle, but there's... How you know the devil's going to make sure you got your own issues to deal with? He doesn't attack somebody about their skin. You say, well, you're too fat. You know, oh, you're too skinny. You're too tall. You're too short. You're not athletic. You're too athletic. Whatever. Amen. Just be a believer. Let the love of God abound. Amen. Enjoy one another. Don't see it as an issue. Amen. Be a family like we are. Just keep being a family. And people are watching, right? People are watching. So anyway, praise God. There's my race deal for you. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Uh, where are we? We're in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Praise God. You know, I find somebody, a brother or sister, violating some way. I, I, I hate it. I don't care what their skin color is. I just, it shouldn't happen. Amen. But see, in, in Christ, when you know who you are in Christ, you know all this stuff in Jesus, whatever injustice there's been, whatever, whatever disadvantage someone wants to try to bring in your life for some stupid reason, <laughs> Jesus has given it all back to you, right? He, you know, praise God. doesn't matter how racist somebody is or mean someone is. You stay true to your covenant, you're going to rise like cream to the top, don't matter what they think or say or do. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the word of God. It is our daily food. It renews our mind. And it feeds our faith. And you said in Ephesians 6.10, we're about to read it. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the word. And God, that's one of the reasons why we're here today. Lord, I just so thank you for a fresh anointing on us all. A refreshing to each one of us, spirit, soul, and body. I thank you, Father God, that we got a lot of soldiers in here today. 
glory to God, uh, being equipped and further trained and more, you know, gaining skill with spiritual things so that we can live victoriously, but the, so that we could also advance together with others, Father, your kingdom plan and purpose. Father, I ask you very simply today as a pastor, uh, assigned with this humbling assignment to bring the word to a blood-bought people, help me, Father. Help me help them and help them to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So have you been enjoying this series that we've entitled Dress for About? I was thinking uh, last night that I don't think I've ever up to now preached a series exclusively on the armor of God uh, in 19 years almost. So I've been enjoying it. I've been thoroughly blessed and enriched. And if you've missed uh, all or some of these messages, go onto the Facebook page, the website, the podcast. It won't cost you nothing and feed on those things. God has said a lot of things. He's, he's helped me to say some things, I think, that are just profound and life-changing if you'll receive them. Amen. And uh, praise God. So this may be the last message in the series. We'll see uh, what God has because there's a, there's a piece of armor here that we've not yet talked about. And we're going to endeavor to get to it today. So let's read the passage once more. Follow along in your Bible. Ephesians 6.10. Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Weakness, spiritually, is dangerous. It's dangerous for a husband and a father to be weak spiritually. Dangerous for a wife and a mom to be weak spiritually. Danger for any person in today's day or hour to be weak spiritually. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on. This is an action you and I are being instructed to take. Put on the whole armor of God. Now why should we do it? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles, that word wiles means the strategies, the devices of the devil. And so there is a specific, unique, customized, formulated strategy and plan of the devil to destroy your life, to destroy your health, your mind, your marriage, your children, your future, to render you helpless he wants you discouraged he wants you ignorant he wants you ill-equipped he wants you dispassionate right he does not want you like Paul's describing strong in the Lord the power of his might he doesn't want to meet you in battle with the whole armor of God on <laughs> amen because he's going to get whipped and shamed and embarrassed when he meets a believer in the spirit in prayer or even just living daily life and he confronts you with a thought or a circumstance or a feeling or an emotion and, and you don't fall for it anymore but instead of uh, coming instead of him pushing your button and out of you coming a gripe or a moan or a complaint or fear or worry or doubt and unbelief He's just getting a face full of your shield of faith. That's one I think the favorite things the Lord's helped me to say during this series is that if the devil wants to, if he's going to target me and he's going to launch something at me, the first thing he's going to come in contact with is my faith. Not my fear, not my worry, not my complaint, but my faith. Because we already learned the shield of faith is able to quench, to extinguish all the fiery darts. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. Hallelujah. Do we have that photo available? I don't know. You, I, I know I didn't ask for it this morning, but if you guys, I'll just preach on. But uh, if you happen to be able to find it, throw it up there. Praise God. Either one of those two. Uh, amen. So let's keep reading. Glory to God. Uh, we're going to be able, if we put on the whole armor of God, to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yeah, look at this guy. Now, maybe turn the light down or something. Maybe you can see that really good. Can you see that really good? Come on. 
Hallelujah. I can see this one better. Praise God. Maybe we got a bulb going out or something. I don't know. But uh, look at that guy. Look at that guy. I mean, I wouldn't want to encounter him in a dark alley at midnight. Praise God. Now, is there opposition? Yeah, there's some intense opposition coming against him. But is there anything about his countenance that is telling you he's thinking about backing up? <laughs> no. No, and see, this is what I love. When a Christian gets to the place and you look, you hear what they're, what they're saying to you. They, they may describe, Pastor, the, here's what I'm encountering. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's what Satan has launched against me. But they describe their response and it looks like that. I mean, that's an inspiring thing. Oh, don't even think, yeah, I want your prayers, Pastor. But I'm not backing up. I'm not giving up. I am moving forward. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is how we are supposed to look to the devil in the spirit when we pray. I mean, if you Google armor, the armor of God and Google images, that's where I found this. And you can put it on your phone. Come on. Uh, some people, after Sunday last week, they had put it on their Facebook profiles. It was awesome. Amen. And, uh, but listen, when you, when you and I, we come together at 3 o'clock to pray, I want us to all look like that. Let's all line up. Amen. In a rank. And let's hold our shield of faith out there. And let's just, come on. <laughs> Amen. You can turn the lights back up. And that shield of faith is just part of that armor. Look at the sword there. We're going to get up to this sword. We're going to talk about the sword spirit. Hallelujah. So notice in verse 12 again, he said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Can I, okay, I'll go ahead and say something else about the race deal. We're not wrestling with skin. We're not, we're not, you know, if you've been negatively impacted, whatever. It's not about skin. It's about the devil. The devil's behind all that. Amen? I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying we need to have an understanding. Right? I mean, if I could step out there on a little bit of a limb and say to people with black skin... You need to forgive. Amen. You need to forgive. And, uh, you know, white people, if they did it, they need to repent. But, I mean, this stuff goes both ways. Amen. A lot of injustice going on. The, the thing we need to be conscious of as believers, not to get caught up with the form, with the label that's on the missile. Don't, don't get captivated with the racist, sexist missile. Right? Or the poverty missile, or the fear missile. What we need to be conscious of is the source of it. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. The wrestling in our nation today is not between Democrats and Republicans. It's not between liberals and conservatives. It's between righteousness and wickedness. The forces of good and God and the forces of darkness, of Satan and evil. And every person, no matter what their gender or their skin color, better pick a team. Amen. And I just thank God I'm on the winning team. I'm on the Jesus team. Hallelujah. But notice the word wrestle. We'll come back to that. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but there is a wrestling, isn't there? But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He is describing different ranks of demonic entities. And this is uh, with whom we have to engage in this spiritual warfare or wrestling. Now again, I want to reiterate on purpose that we are not contending with the devil from a I might lose 
ideology. We have to remember that Jesus already defeated. He already vanquished. Keep your uh, finger here, but turn to the right to the book of Colossians. I don't think I've read this yet in this series. And this is important when, you know, people get extreme and in a ditch when it comes to spiritual warfare, when they think it's a 50-50 contest. We have to have the right mentality as we, uh, and a right mentality is the Bible mentality. It's a New Testament mentality. It is a in Christ mentality. Chapter 3 is where we're headed, I believe. Uh, or I'll have to think about it where you guys may have to call on some help. Holy Ghost, help me. Talking about where Jesus has already uh, defeated the devil. 2.15, yes, thank you. I got a new Bible, that one wasn't highlighted yet. Praise God. And so, now notice here, let's back up a verse to Colossians 2.14, talking about what Jesus did. He, uh, through blotting out of the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled. Now that's past tense, isn't it? Having spoiled, what? Principalities and powers he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So these, the devil, their, their general, Satan, he is a vanquished, defeated foe. And all of his minions have already been defeated by Jesus in that Wonderful conquest all those years ago. So, yes, there is a spiritual warfare. Why? Not because he's uh, victorious or even, you know, he can be. He can't be if we know what we should know and do what we should do in our life. But legally, in the eyes of the devil has been defeated. He has been dethroned. He has been, uh, he has been robbed and stripped of his authority. Yeah. To steal, kill, and destroy from your life ever again if you will take your place. See, this is why Satan is counting on your ignorance so he can work his plan on you. Ignorance means just not to know something. Not to have knowledge of knowledge that's available. Doesn't mean someone's dumb or incapable or unintelligent. It just means they don't know. This is why we have to preach it over and over and over again. Amen. Hallelujah. Satan is effective because he works against people who don't know. He doesn't know that the one they're bringing sickness to is redeemed from sickness. And if they would just stand their ground, that sickness can't stay any longer. If they knew, if that believer knew that they've been redeemed from poverty then they would throw that off like a filthy rag and receive the blessing that God has paid available, right? But we have to know the right thing. And so you could see here that Jesus has already spoiled principalities and powers. He triumphed over... This, this is talking about uh, ancient kings when they conquered a foe. They would take their, the king and the defeated living soldiers and they would parade them through the street and mock them and, and really ridicule them for their defeat. Parade them around by the ear. This is the image that Paul is wanting to communicate that Jesus took the defeated devil by the ear and marched him around and paraded him around and let him know, I am King of kings and Lord of lords. Glory to God. I'm victorious and you're defeated. <laughs> so when we go, we go back to Ephesians. Now when you, when you want to think about our wrestling, we have to think about it. I am, yes, going to engage the enemy in, yes, sometimes some intense spiritual warfare, but I'm coming at it from the throne of victory. He's coming from a place of total vanquish and defeat. He just gets to experience at my hand, at your hand, again and again and again. If he was smart, he would give it up. He would give it up, but he's not smart. And he will just seasonally... He will think, oh, I'll get them now. Oh, I got them now. <laughs> I remember building this building. Of course, we're still doing it. 
And we got so far along in this thing. God worked so many miracles, put us over so many impossible obstacles. And yet I'd be in prayer launching out into a new, because we did it in phases and in steps. And we'd launch out and he'd go, you're not going to get the money this time. Well, you know, eventually that, that argument, that lie became kind of tired. I was kind of surprised he's still trying to work that on me. And Pastor Dennis and Pastor Alvin, they tell me that the devil works the same lie on them. You're not going to get your healing this time. Okay, so I got it a hundred times out of a hundred so far, but I'm not going to get it this time. I mean, it's just kind of a tired argument. But listen, if you're the devil, he doesn't have anything else. He doesn't have anything else. But he will still try. Amen. Glory to God. And just let him bump his head against your shield of faith. Don't be disturbed that he's right there. If he's between your, you and your shield of faith, you're totally safe, right? Praise God. You ought to get to where you kind of enjoy this. I think it was, uh, who was it? Amy Simple, McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman. They, they were having a question and answer session with her and and if I'm thinking about the right one, they said, well, do you have a specific diet that you like? You know, diet for food. And she goes, yeah, I like a diet of giants. <laughs> she had another clever state, I don't remember. But, I mean, yeah, I like a diet of giants. Line them up, I'll slay them, eat their carcass. Talking about spiritually. That's a woman you don't want to mess with. Now, again, all you PC people out there, watch me. I'm not talking about in the natural talking about spiritually <laughs> amen hallelujah verse 13 wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand what should you do stand there ain't no retreat in there stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod uh, that means bound upon your feet as a foundation with the preparation of the good news of peace. Above all, that does not mean in importance. That's a positional term in the Greek, not a priority term. He's telling you where to position your shield. Out front and above all of your other pieces of armor. You get that? Amen. Taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all, everyone say all. You know I'm having thoughts of suicide. Use your shield of faith. I've been attacked financially. Use your shield of faith. Uh, my radar has detected a fiery missile of sickness and disease. Use your faith. It will quench all the fiery missiles or darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation. We talked about that last week. You know, you put on the helmet of the knowledge of God. The knowledge of all that was purchased for me in my salvation. And you put that knowledge on, or you could call it this way. I'm putting on the renewed mind. I'm not going to be born again in my spirit, but have an unrenewed mind. Because you be born again in your spirit, but have no helmet. And you have to put on, you have to renew your mind with the Word of God. You have to shed, you have to flush your thoughts. And take on and unto yourself God's thoughts. And this is a collection, sorry mom, this is a collection of God's thoughts. Amen? Praise God. And we've got to get to the meat of this thing because time's going. But have you noticed in this series that really when you want to boil it down, Every single piece of the armor is linked to the word. Put on the belt of truth. Jesus said, John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Amen. The breastplate of righteousness. Where do we learn about righteousness? How do we get established in righteousness? By feeding on the word. By feeding on the word. Then he said, put on the sandals of the preparation of the good news. Where do we read about the good news? In the word of God. Amen. Then it says, above all, taking your shield of faith. What's that have to do with the Word of God? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We just talked about that helmet, which is the knowledge of God. Where do we get that? In the Word of God. Hallelujah. Then he mentions 
the last piece of armor. Amen? And the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then I want to point you to the next two words in verse 18. Praying always. Praying always. Amen? Now just, just quickly, this word wrestling that we read. In the Greek, Rick Renner says that this Greek, it, that the word was used to describe in Roman days, the, and I'm going to put it in quotes, the sporting events of the Romans in the Roman Colosseum. And we're not talking about uh, you know, ESPN cornhole. We're not talking about European or Australian style rugby. We're talking about fight to the death for sports, for entertainment. And so Rick Renner describes this word, this is how he defined the word wrestling, an intense struggle. You ever feel like spiritually that you've been in an intense struggle? Yeah. He said it's, it means fierce combat, a contest, a challenge, ongoing conflict. This is what he means when Paul used the Greek word wrestle. That's what he's describing. And he described it as uh, uh, hand-to-hand. So it's like you're familiar with in your grappling and jiu-jitsu and all of that. Um, it's close combat. Don't think you're going to fight the enemy with a 10-foot, you know, pole. No. Sometimes it's going to be close contact, hand-to-hand. It's going to get personal. That's right. You better know your stuff. Amen. And so understanding the word wrestling, and notice it's going to be very intense. Uh, The way the Romans used it, it means to the death. It's a life-and-death struggle. And it's hand-to-hand combat is, is necessary for you to have that in your mind to understand what Paul meant when he said, take the sword of the Spirit. In the Greek, it would be the makariah of the Spirit. Or where I would think we get the uh, English word machete. Okay? And let me read this to you from the Amplified Translation. I think that uh, you'll find it interesting. Instead of saying the uh, sword of the Spirit, the Amplified says the sword which the Spirit wields. Now that's very interesting to me because I thought it was my sword. But the Amplified, which Dr. Jacob says is the most accurate to the Greek of any English Bible out there. It says the sword which the Spirit wields. Hold on to that. Just hold on to that, amen? Glory to God. And so this word sword in the Greek, again, Rick Renner, I appreciate his ministry. He said there were actually three different Greek words to describe Roman swords that Paul could have used uh, in this scenario. He said uh, at one time, one of the swords was massive. It was a uh, hundred pounds or something. It was huge. And they never even used it in battle. What they said, they used it in training to build muscles, swinging it at a post. It's just too heavy to lob around, but they used it for strength and for training. And then there was another Greek word that Rick Renner says that Paul could have used from that day that would have described the sword that you you would probably picture, the longer knight-style sword, that maybe a fencing style, you know, longer. I've got a little more reach. But that's not the one. Makariah, if I'm pronouncing that right, you Greek scholars out there, forgive me. I'm just an Okie from Muskogee, so be kind, all right? (laughs) I'm doing my best. Uh, Praise God. Uh, Said that uh, the English word that would be better to describe it would not be sword. It would be dagger. The dagger of the spirit. He said that those Romans did have a longer sword, but he said people rarely died in battle from the long sword. They would be wounded because, you know, it's going to come along and catch you and maybe slash you, cut you open on your limbs, but rarely did they die. 
from that sword. That in battle, in those Roman battles, it got hand-to-hand, face-to-face, really close. And the way those Romans defeated their enemy was they had this devastatingly, deadly, designed dagger that was designed to just be plunged right into the heart or thorax of that adversary. Let me describe it to you. Rick Renner says this knife, if you look up the Greek word there and have Dr. Strong's, the Strong's define it for you, he says knife. That's all he says about it. Knife. Uh, Rick Renner says it's about 19 inches long, okay, razor sharp, and two-edged, sharp on both sides. But this was the, the part that was most interesting to me studying it. He said on the tip, the tip of these daggers were typically shaped upward on the end, or many of them had a corkscrew shape on them. I know it's kind of graphic. But it's meant to be plunged and twisted and pulled out, and when you, you've just destroyed that person's insides. Now, I know that's graphic, but listen, here we are, spiritually speaking, in close combat with the adversary, and the one offensive weapon... God seemed to, gave us is not something to just slash, slash away at randomly and maybe, maybe wound the enemy a little bit. No, but to devastate the enemy in close combat and just plunge it in, twist it, pull it out, and defeat that attack. Woo, come on. That is the sword of the Spirit. Glory to God. Isn't that great? So again, there's an interesting caveat here to me when you study this. The Amplified says the sword that the Spirit wills. Now, you have to remember, Paul's tying all of this to spiritual activity. He's tying all of this to praying. So you have to think about the context here. What are we doing with this armor? Primarily, we're engaging the enemy in the Spirit, in prayer. Amen? And so, okay, now I've got this weapon, but he didn't say it's the sword I wield. He said it's the sword the Spirit wields. To back this up, the God's Word translation uses this phrase, the sword or the dagger that the Spirit supplies. The sword that the Spirit applies. Paul went on to clarify what's he saying, which is... The Word of God. Now this is all going to make sense to you. The word, Word of God, the word, Word is rhema. You know what the word rhema means? Rhema is a Greek word. Amen. And it means the spoken word. Or it means the quickened word. The Word of God that the Spirit quickens. That the Spirit supplies while you're praying picking up on it it's not just some random word there there's two primary greek words that describe the word of god there's the logos of god everyone say logos that's that that is a reference to the written text of scripture thank god for the logos of god but the rhema it means the spoken the declared the quickened word of god So what God intends strategically throughout our combat in life with the devil, uh, or even just as we're walking around living life as a believer, he wants to take the logos of God that we have hidden away in our heart, and as the Spirit of God leads us, he wants to quicken, Brother Paul, a specific word from here, and put that word in your hand and say, plunge that into the devil. In other words, use this word against that attack. Use this word against, here's this answer, this is your answer for that thought. Amen. Amen. Come on. Now you could take any of the logos of God on purpose on healing and feed that into your heart. But see, at times when you're standing in faith, the Spirit of God will make alive. He will quicken to you a specific healing verse. That he, and he wants you to take 
1 Peter 2.24, by His stripes you were healed. And now that word, yes, it was a logos, but now the Holy Ghost has breathed afresh on it. He has quickened it to you for that moment, for that situation. He says, now put that in your mouth and plunge that into the heart of that sickness. Twist it, pull it out, and it'll be over. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Hallelujah. We've got to be less random as Christians. And we, you know, sometimes we get, we get in the heat of battle and we're just flaying away. We're like, I plead the blood. Oh, in the name of Jesus, let's pray the prayer of agreement. And fine, do it all. But God wants us to have skill. He didn't want us to be in random go, oh, get the machine gun uh, and the machete and throw a hand grenade at it. You know, it might not take all that. You might need the hand grenade next week. You know what I mean? But I would think a really good soldier knows what weapon? You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a SEAL team and you're operating under stealth and you're, you're not ready to light up the enemy with gunfire, well, you may want to take a dagger, right? And sneak up behind the guard of the house you're about to breach and do a little quiet number on that guy. You're going to mess up the meat. You're not going to be accurate just using any old weapon all the time. The Spirit of God wants to give us precision and accuracy in our engagement with the enemy. And as we're sensitive, there'll be a scripture comes up in your heart. And it was a Logos, but now it's a Rhema. And now it's got some extra juju beans on there, man. It's just like, woo. It was powerful before, but now with the Holy Ghost fresh quickening on it, for you are, whoo, I'm going to fire at you. Boom. Ching. And do you get my point? Praise God. I know I'm kind of animated, but... Are you getting it? Praise God. So again, let me read this to you and fill this in for you. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword, the dagger, that the Spirit wields, which is the spoken, quickened word of God. And use that. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example. The earliest uh, example I could think of yesterday of when I sensed the Spirit of God gave me a rhema was really early on. I was having, I don't want to go down that trail in the actual story, it doesn't matter, but I, man, I was having a battle with my brain and my mind. I had so trained my mind to be consumed with a destructive, damaging thought. I mean, I would just marinate in that thought all day long, all day long, and weeks go by and months go by, and I'm wondering why I'm having problems. You can't live a victorious life thinking defeated thoughts. You just can't. And uh, I didn't know this verse was in there. But, you know, I had, you know, was building a relationship with God that time. And, and I heard him say, go read Proverbs 10, 7 and stand on it. I didn't know what Proverbs 10, 7 said. I do now, but I didn't then. But see, he's... He's supplying me the word to put a, 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 uh, an effective weapon in my hand that I could use against the enemy that was affecting me, my life. That scripture says the memory of the just is blessed. And he just said, camp on that, read that meditate on that speak that believe me to do that in your life it didn't happen overnight but as i just carried that sword around as i held on to that rhema word that quickened word god began to heal my mind god began to remove the hurt and the sting of the trauma and the pain and the emotional damage that i had done to myself and others had done to me praise god he was blessing my memory as i held on to that quickened Word And I was able to defeat that strategy of the devil with a rhema word. Another one comes to mind as I'm talking here. And that's uh, uh, while we were over having services at um, Concord. And man, things looked bleak for a long time, just in the natural over there. Uh, as, it was, as it related to the progress on the building. And... and um, I got up late one night and I drove to the church 
and uh, pulled a chair out kind of like this over in their altar area and just sat down. It was past midnight. and began to just pray in the Holy Ghost. And because uh, I wanted this pressure off of me. Y'all ever know what I mean? I wanted this pressure. I didn't mind fighting battles, but I was tired of this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And oh, I was under the way. And I just prayed in the Holy Ghost and worshiped God and sought God's face. And he quickened to me, Zechariah 10, 4. Or, no, is that right? Yeah. 4, 10, maybe. Zechariah 4, yeah. Where we know it, right? It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And if you look at the context of Zechariah 4, 6, that's the reference, I'm sorry. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That uh, it's about building a building. It was almost a mere image. They had laid a foundation, but they had opposition. People got discouraged, and it didn't look like the thing was going anywhere. And Zerubbabel was discouraged, and so was I. And I wasn't thinking about that verse. And I wasn't just reading along in my Bible and found it. He quickened it to me. And he said, Chris, what's he saying to me? This building is not going to be built by congregational might. And I go, oh, that's right. We ain't got any. I don't got any. I'm not down on my people. I'm just saying we didn't have the numbers. We didn't have the finances to slay the giant. (laughs) But he was saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In other words, I I saw it. I'm not going to be able to build this building in the natural. And he said, son, you have been, you got in a mode of waiting, waiting for something to happen, waiting for money to come, waiting for a bank to say yes, waiting. He said, you need to in the spirit. You're going to build this building, not with money, but by the Holy Ghost. And so I saw he gave me an assignment to pray in the Holy Ghost about that. And as I ramped that up and I encouraged others to ramp that up, eventually we did the whole thing, got the bomb, got things started breaking loose. But here again is a, is a real battle I was in. And the Spirit of God supplied me a word that was my answer for that moment. So with all of our armor on, all of the other pieces of armor are to defend us. But it's this sword which the Spirit wields. The quickened and spoken word that the Spirit of God supplies that is going to enable us to go on offense. It's not about just dry, religiously picking a scripture, but it's letting the Holy Ghost make the right scripture come alive for you. Now this is true in your individual walk, but when we come together with corporate prayer assignments like we'll do this afternoon, the Spirit of God may quicken a verse. Now here again, we're back to the Word, aren't we? How important you fellowship constantly in the Logos of God. You've got to put in the Logos so that there is a data bank, there is a database, amen, of Word that you've deposited in your heart that the Spirit of God can quicken you about. This is not to make you less you know, less diligent toward the Word, but more diligent toward the Word. You can't just say, well, based on that, Pastor Chris, I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. If the Holy Ghost wants to quicken me a Word, He'll give me one. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You put the Word in. You spend time in the Word so that then He'll have something to quicken you about. Amen. Glory to God. We're almost done here. Can you take just a second more? Let's go to Luke, and maybe we'll close right here. Luke chapter 4. Praise God. But see, here again, if, if you're not much of a prayer person, then you're not giving the Holy Ghost much of an opportunity to do this kind of thing with you. So it, whether, whether it applies to healing or, you know, uh, different battles that you might face, uh, praise God, maybe you're having a troubling thought. There's a word. There's a word in there in the Logos of God that the Spirit of God could quicken. Now, I've had this too, reading the Word. And I'm reading the Word, and then all of a sudden, 
that verse, boom. It's like it starts moving on the page. It's amplified. Don't just read on so that you could check off your devotional. Don't do that. He's done that for a reason. There is something in that scripture that you're going to need, that he wants to get over to you. Don't read your Bible for distance. Read your Bible for depth. People who read the Bible for distance are religious. People who read the Bible for depth are spiritual. You read, you know, I try to read on average five chapters a day. But, you know, like yesterday, I, I got stuck on Psalm 112 and couldn't get past it. And I'm not trying to. So that I can write down in my journal, bless God, I, wrote, I read five. And if you read five chapters and you can't tell me anything you got out of it, well, what's the point? But when there's one verse and it stands out to you, stay there. Just stay there. Talk to the Father about it. Confess it. What do you see in it? Look up the words. Read it in 25 different translations. Pray about it. Are you with me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'll give you this one. Well, we're in Luke 4. We've got to quit. You guys are listening so good, and I'm so amped up. I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I'm sorry. Luke 4. Verse 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Do you think this matters, this statement? That this chronicle, this happening in the life of Jesus, that it didn't matter? No, it mattered. When you're about to enter in a wilderness season, when you're about to enter in a temptation season, it matters how you go in. And Jesus being, yeah, the beggars, <laughs> yeah, just had a victory because they, they met a moment that they weren't looking for. But when the moment showed up, they all responded with faith. And that's because they've been doing something before the moment showed up. And I'm glad about it. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. How did I get here? You were led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil and in those days he did eat nothing and when they were ended afterward he hungered and the devil said you know he even knows what your body's you're you know if he, man your stomach growls one time he's gonna start talking to you about chips your stomach wants to speak your body wants to speak up just a little bit he's gonna talk to you about twinkies see he knows what little vulnerability you woke up on the wrong side of the bed Ooh. He's going to attack you with anger, frustration, grumpy, grumpy pants is awake. You know, you better get over in the spirit. Anyway, so look at this. It says, the devil said to him, if you be the son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. And Jesus answered saying, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, can I translate it for you? Rhema of God. If you look up the word, it's not logos, it's rhema. That's such insight to me in that. Now, you know Jesus knew the word, he was the word. But he studied it as a boy. He put the word in him. He spent time around the, uh, the Pharisees asking them questions as a kid. And so he studied the Word, and he met this moment full of the Word and full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? But it wasn't just some random scripture. In the moment of trial, in the moment of temptation, the Holy Ghost quickened him the Word to respond to the devil with. Man shall not live by... You want to talk to me about bread? Man shall not live by bread alone. This was not just a function of Jesus' quick intellect and a fruit of his scripture memorization. No, no, no. This is the word the Spirit of God handed him. Amen. And see, that's sweatless victory. Yeah. I like sweatless victory. Yeah, My wife bought me something for her birthday. Isn't that great? I'm a blessed man. 
she bought the, one of the newest I, robot Roomba deals that goes around on the floor, vacuuming. It maps it out. It knows what to do. And then it goes and parks itself, and you hear the little thing, suck all the dog hair out. Oh, God have mercy. I just praise God. That is sweatless victory. You sitting on a couch, and all you got to do is raise your up, and the house is being cleaned. I like sweatless victory. Amen? But you're in a moment, and the Holy Ghost is your helper, and the Holy Ghost is with you in every moment. And he says, here, use that on him. Here's the word. And Jesus spoke that, and it was a dagger in the heart of that temptation that defeated the devil and gave him victory. And this is how Jesus flowed through that entire time. But notice the first one, what Jesus said, man, you're a man, we're mankind, human beings, God's people shall not live by bread alone. How are we going to live? By the rhema of God. We're going to live and have victory because of the quickening word the Holy Ghost gives at the right moment. And we're going to take that last wonderful piece of the armor of God and go on offense. There are scriptures that talk about what God will do for nations. There are scriptures that talk about what God will do and how he can move among national leaders, kings and presidents and prime ministers. Amen. There are scriptures that talk to parents about children. You train your child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And sometimes, parents, the Spirit of God would quicken you that scripture. Hold on to that. I'm not, I'm not done with your baby. You trained him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Stand on my word. Amen. Hallelujah. I think you, you get it, right? But praise God, as we possibly conclude this, this section of teaching, listen, we need it all. We need all the pieces. Amen. We've got to have it all. And so we've got a lot to think about every day. We need to live our lives on purpose every day. Amen. Praise God. Well, Father, we love you today. We thank you.